This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And uh, I'm lucky because I've actually just landed back in West London. I've been, uh, I've been out of the picture for about 24 hours or so. I've just come down from space. I was actually instructed to go and get the ball that uh, Barbe kicked for his penalty. And uh, it went into orbit. So I made a quick phone call, got my credit card out, and I, I got a shuttle. And I jumped in the shuttle and I managed to get the ball and bring the ball back down. So it only took me 24 hours. I tell you, modern technology nowadays, absolutely teething tremendous. So I'm now back here in West London in the Distillers pub. We've gone for a change of venue. This is one of our old school venues as well. A very funky, wicked little pub. The Distillers just on uh, Fulham Palace Road. Just, oh, no, I said the F word, oh no. But yeah, Fulham Palace Road, just, just up from Hammersmith Station. Wicked little pub. Very cool. It used to uh, have lots of bands used to play here. If you go here, there's lots of music things, lots of discs on the wall, you know, just lots of activity going on here because this used to be a proper hardcore music venue back in the day. And now it's it's cool. It's got, you know, like I said, discs on the wall. They've got discs over there that are that, that, that birds. So they've made birds out of record um, 47, you know, 45, you know what I'm saying? It's, I was going to say 78s, but <laughs> 78. So your, your little trip into space, Bill, um, how did you attempt re-entry? And so anyway, it was, it was, the shuttle just came down. We were, listen, we're not going to go into the, the ins and outs of exactly how I got down there. All you need to know is that I am here, back in the boozer. Distillers, come down here if you have to. It's a wicked, wicked, wicked boozer, and they're taking good care of us, and they've got um, different brews on today. I'm on some sort of... I don't know, some sort of fo- some sort of foxy thing, like you know what I'm saying. I see that the allards on the uh, allards on some sort of um, some, some sort of some black eyes oh, on the black cab. Oh, all right, for this black cab, and uh, ladies on the pride, of course, unfiltered pride. You see, so we're we we got a, a nice variation here today. Um, and to be quite honest with you, we needed to get the drinks down us to kind of just sort of relax us a little bit after the nonsense that we saw on the pitch yesterday. So my name is Billy Grant, and uh, we're going to talk for an hour, hour and a half, about football. And not football, and anything else that comes to our mind. And I've got in front of me here, Dave Lane, who's sipping away. How are you doing, Laney? 
I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Um, yeah, last night took its toll a little bit, and so did Saturday against Reading. Um, I don't know if you saw the beside uh, video from today. The uh, the missed penalty. I, I, had a, I put the video facing backwards. I thought I'd, I well, I did it obviously to to get the euphoric kind of joy of people jumping up and down. But what I got was like uh, just like some really puzzled looks on their faces. And uh, as as you rightly said on Twitter today, you know that it's bad when the, the Metropolitan Police start taking the piss out of us. Um, I think it almost took a policeman to clean off his feet before it actually then went in, up into space. Uh, so, so, oh, so, so the ball hit a policeman. It did apparently, and it obviously, um, it, it obviously come, to, you know, pinged off the side of his helmet, and then it, um, then it went into a different kind of trajectory. Uh, when's the last time you hit a policeman? Um, I've, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, listen, the Allard. Uh, it's good to have the Allard back. The Allard's been doing some sort of uh, international travelling again. He hasn't quite got in the shuttle and uh, got up there. In fact, I think they, well, they actually asked you to go up the shuttle first of all. You said, I'm not being funny, mate. I've only just come back into the country, so I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be chilling out, having a few beers, and then going home. So I was uh, given the task to go up in the shuttle to bring back Barbe's ball. The Allard, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's nice to have my feet um, firmly back on the ground for a bit. Um, I- I suppose people who may have already guessed there's only three of us on the podcast tonight and I'm only on it because I didn't see the last couple of games before last night so I agreed to come on it probably about Monday um, or Sunday or Monday I think and um, and, I, and and maybe if you know if, if I had seen sort of this losing run maybe I even wouldn't have agreed to have been on it just been the two of you so um, yeah it, it, it's um, yes yeah, it's, it's interesting I may have a slightly different perspective um, some people so that you know we'll, we'll see and also the, the vinyl thing I, 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 I was looking at the vinyl as well Bill um, I'm not what I'm a bit unsure about is downstairs on the wall there's status quo in the bangles and upstairs in the toilet is the white stripes well, so I don't know I don't know what that tells us about this pub well I don't know you're looking at the vinyl I'm looking at the alarm clocks there's alarm clocks on that wall there's 49 alarm clocks on that wall it's a lot of the words last order so but it's just in case we forget you just set one of them or set them all and uh, and then they all go off ears are going to bleed if those, if those little, little fuckers go off oh, that's right so I, I, I mean I, I would say and I, and I don't want to hurt your feelings or anything yeah. like that but you were you were actually only asked on because uh, no one else would come on uh, you do know that didn't you yeah, yeah I'm, I'm well aware of that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely it's been you've been fine without me you've been having record um, pe- I was going to say viewers record amount of people listening to it from what I understand and um, yeah I'm back here um, lumbered you know with with, with, with this sort of shift yeah the doom and gloom shift <laughs> I mean who, who honestly is going to listen to the podcast this week well I've got to say to our, to, my, to our listeners out there at least you haven't got Liberal Nick on this week because my god I, you know, he would have been properly, properly down. Yeah, he, he has been ranting. If you listen to the sort of the, the pre-match uh, or the post-match podcast, and I think there's a bit of Liberal Nick. We're going to t- see it here in a minute when we listen to the Reading and the Norwich fans. But the Liberal Rick has been on a proper rant as well. He's, uh, he's he's talking about AFC Wimbledon and all sorts of stuff. You know, he's suggesting things that we've we've long, never heard long, of before. Long ball Nick. Yeah, long ball Nick. Like oh, I say. But anyway, we'll come on to that in a little bit. But look. Let us go back to the weekend and to last night. The weekend we played Reading. Reading came to Griffin Park and they kind of had their tails between their legs. We should have put them to the sword. It didn't quite happen. Uh, it was... I'll tell you something, I can't even remember the score on Saturday. What was the one score? All. It was one all. 
it was one all. all I know is that we didn't win right that's all I remember it's all started to merge into one so it's one all on Saturday we didn't win that game and then yesterday Norwich came down in the cup we were at home um, and it was a good situation for us to actually kind of put our mark on the table and we got absolutely run ragged and we got beaten 3-1 there so I'm got but forget about that let's listen to what the fans had to say and they had a lot to say so bear with them in the pub um, yeah, before you listen to this, can you remove anything sharp um, from from within sort of, uh, well, three or four minutes walk from where you are? Indeed, indeed. You know, we don't want anyone sort of, you know, self-harming or anything like that at all. And like I said to you, it's like, okay, not, not, not saying that it's going to happen at all, but we're just trying to say to you, we're looking out for your best interest because this is quite a dark ten minutes or so where we're going to go back to the fans, except for the, obviously the Norwich fans who are very happy, and hear what they had to say after the games, the Reading game and the Norwich game. We played well. We probably let them have one chance. It was a needless penalty. But, you know, chance after chance at this end, we played. The first half was fantastic. Some great individual performances again. I thought Josh Clark was superb throughout. Mahocha in the first half and saw some sublime touches. We just looked like a really good team. And yet again, we haven't won a game. I genuinely, genuinely don't know what to do. Dean Smith must have run over a black cat. He must have dropped a mirror. He must have lost all the luck that's going in the world. But I think at the moment we've got to start playing, stop playing the beautiful football, which is what we're playing. And we've actually got to start thinking about, you know, just scoring some goals. And if that involves lumping a long ball up front for Shaibu and Watkins playing, that may be what we want to do. Um, we've got to get a win from somewhere. And I'm fed up in this podcast every week saying we've played a team off the park because we did before actually walking away with, at best, a one-all draw. We've got to start battling and fighting and, you know, our, our luck, we've run out of luck. We've now got to think of something else. We can't rely on lady luck anymore. On reflection, we had the better of the game. We probably created more chances, but not as many as we could have done. And I think we obviously needed a bag a few more. Maupay is not quite cutting it at the moment. I think V-Bay would have brought a few of the midfielders in where we had the overlaps and the situations where we had more players and then moving forward uh, and I think we wasted a lot of opportunities but I think that we are we are it's definitely where we're lacking is, is actually putting the ball in the back of the net you know we had loads and loads of chance not loads and loads of chances but I think we'd have also made more of our possession with somebody a bit more accomplished up front I'm not even sure that would have been Canos I think it would have been more V-Bay's link up plays better he turns players and he knocks the ball into space for other people but I think you know you've got to think we get there I'm not actually that gutted As a, even though we did draw one all we still played really well I think it hurts but for me the team's the whole squad is stronger than it was last year full stop so we is that, just, is that what matters to you? Um, obviously what matters to me is where we're sitting in the league and actually week in week out are we actually getting the results but there is the undercurrent there, the foundation, which is fundamentally stronger than we were last year. So I'm, I'm still confident. You know what? I, I think we were scared. We were a little bit nervous. I think you played well. I think you just lacked that clinical finish towards the end. Uh, I think we're playing slightly different football from what we played last season. Uh, last season was all about possession. Today, good to see some of the new signings come in. Uh, a bit more height. Uh, I think both teams don't really... I think. 
definitely you guys shouldn't be where you are in the league. I think, you know, a couple more games, I think we should both be all right. I'd like to see a bit more... A few more shots from outside the box. Made a keeper work. I don't think we made the keeper work today. We had a couple of chances. Josephson missed. But I don't think we really made their keeper do anything. The thing is, if we were playing badly then you'd start to worry. I mean, it's that you do worry because we're not cutting out real clear chances. We're, we're dominating and we're doing well, but it's, we're not peppering the goal with shots. We're not making the keepers have man-of-the-match games. It's, what is it? What alternative have we got? No, I'm fed up eight times out. We should have won. How do we not win that game? Oh, I've had enough of it. Something needs to change. Not not the manager, something needs to change. No, okay, but something needs to change. I mean, you said not the manager. I'm going to pull this out with you because yeah, yeah, you, please do. You, you tweeted a bit earlier when. Yeah, Smith out. When, 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 He's accountable. Someone's got to be accountable for it. And, I, you know, it's not his fault, it's the team's fault, but something needs to change. Because so, I'm so fed up of we should have won that it's, it's eight games in now if we were in the premiership now and we didn't win a game he would have gone by now yeah but again some people say that's wrong in football they talk about it, playing it the wrong. buff it is wrong so, so you're saying that we should adopt the same type of strategies as no, the... but it's all about money now it's all about being where the team should be and you know where we should, go... oh, a good question where should we be we, though we, where well, our wage bill is the foot, the half wage bill is roughly where our league position so is where at the would moment you want, where would you rather we be where we are now or division direct Below. But we're not in the division because we're in third, we're third for bottom. Yeah, but if we keep doing this, we're not gonna, nothing's coming out. We're playing well, and you're putting me on the spot, but I, I actually think that we need to win a game. We need to win a lot of games because at the moment we don't look like we're going to do that. First half, Reading were poor, really poor. They went in half time, they came out, and he must have scared them. Stan must have scared them, mate. I tell you what, they came out a different team. Why, why can't we do that? You've got to kind of respect um, that people are going to start getting a little bit worried where we're seven or eight or nine games into the season and we still haven't won. But, um, a lot of people say you've got to give it ten games before you start making any, any, any rash decisions. I, I don't I'm not sure sure that this is going to finish any game soon. You know, we could go to Bolton and win, or we could get another draw. Um, then, then we've got Mill here, which isn't going to be easy. You know, they're, they're far away. They've got far away. You know, things have got to change. And it, is it just luck, or are, have we got to start um, maybe calling out one or two individual players? Because you know, there's a couple of them that are just maybe not quite up to it. You know. Josephson today, awful, awful, awful finish. You know, he's, he's, he's either got to hit the target with that or, he, or he's got a pass to Morpé who was screaming at the back post. Ollie Watkins today, um, he, Ollie, Ollie Watkins today, he had an absolutely brilliant chance um, where the ball fell for him unmarked and, and, he, and he you know he didn't he didn't convert so you know there, there's some there's some poor finishing but maybe it's like the individuals rather than the group's team you know stats are, are, are wrong you know maybe maybe we, we need V-Bay back urgently no it wasn't very good really I don't really start to understand what went wrong they look like a team from a different division to us and you know you almost treat them as if they're a premiership team um, they look like a 
you know, the kids didn't let us down tonight. Uh, Mepper made a mistake for the first goal, getting the wrong side. But I think they've got to look. The, the experienced pros have to look at themselves tonight. And you know, Barbe, McCracken, Yanaris. You know, I think it was them that didn't do it. And really, until we brought on. Watkins and Shaibu, we didn't really have any spark at all. It's interesting when we talk about um, this cup. Um, was it about was it 10, 8, 9, 10 years ago? It wasn't probably as long as 10 years ago. I'm sure maybe it was. We played Birmingham City in the third round. I remember we going up there, we did a coach up there. We had 3,500 fans. The atmosphere was absolutely electric. We were rabid for it. It was great. We almost won that game and then they equalised and they went out. I think they beat us on penalties, I think it was, or something like that. Today, we've put out a reserve side and uh, I don't know, I think the crowd, was, was the crowd sub 5,000 today? 4 8, so you said 3,500 up at Birmingham. There was less than 3,500 bees here today because Norwich must have brought 1,200 or so. So, you know, not much difference really between what we took up there and here. So, but yeah, it's the only people interested in the cup if you kind of show an interest yourself. and if the club don't want to take it seriously you can't expect the fans to it's a difficult one because you know the games come thick and fast so we're playing Saturday we're playing next Tuesday and we're playing the following Saturday and we're not winning so um, I think you know it, I wasn't surprised by the team that got put out tonight um, you only need a couple of injuries and one or two of them might have to play anyway um, so you know there's, there's three games coming up I mean uh, th- there is a problem when you obviously you chop and change the side continually um, but actually when you're not winning I suppose that's what you tend to do so yeah you could play your expected first 11 and then they're awful and then what do you do on Saturday so you know I, I, I it's difficult at the moment it's, it's, it's probably I mean maybe you know it, it was a step too far maybe playing Archibald uh, maybe maybe should have played Shaibu um but then, I, but then there was also, you know, but then there was also a bit of me, and I put it on Twitter myself, that said similar to what you're saying, is that you might as well stick, you know, the four attacking players, so if you think the front man and then the two attacking wide players and, you know, and maybe one other, should, should actually be the first team because this is an opportunity for them to score goals and start getting a little bit of um, confidence. Because ultimately, I think it's confidence at the moment that is probably our biggest problem. Not our strongest performance and not our strongest team, but I think you guys might be in a bit of trouble looking forward, and unfortunately, if you got that as your starting 11 but. I mean, that, I mean it's, again I'm telling you that's not our starting 11 <laughs> it's not our starting 11 first half was a bit of a canter and then second half as soon as the second goal went in to be honest with you it was a bit bit dab bit drab affair after that to be honest yeah, I, I think cup runs do do breed confidence and you know I'd be gutted now if Norwich get Tottenham away or Arsenal away or Man United away that, that could have been something that gives the players within the squad an extra reason to perform and play better in training Yeah, well, we, we were told at the start of the season that we, we were about three players too heavy for the, for the full-time squad but we were told we had cover in every position and we had, we'd have players fighting for fighting in training you know to be second or third choice suddenly a couple of injuries in uh, and a couple of, couple of you know a transfer window in and we were struggling to patch things up and even then so you, you think you think the cup games ideal chance to stake a claim get yourself get yourself get yourself in, 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 you know, in Dean Smith's starting eleven. Um, and even he, you know, even a chance for Dean Swift to maybe try a plan B, which he didn't really today. Yeah, we know what we got in the in defence. It's, it's this sort of Rubik's cube up front. Is how do how do we play all all sort of five attacking players, uh, V Bay, Flo Joe, um, you know, when they're all when they're all fit together. Um, do we have Watkins and Malpay up front? Do we start Shebu? Is, is he the new Ferry Alaguera? Is he is he the one to bring on the wrecking ball? Is he the plan B? Maybe I, I don't know. I, I, f- I just think we didn't really cover our losses 
with, with players like Yotta. Canos is not the same player as Yotta. Vibe isn't the same player as Yotta. Um, maybe Vibe could have stepped up, but he's injured. Yeah, it's not. It's not looking good. If I'm honest with you, <laughs> at all. Um, we've got absolutely no excuses tonight. Uh, we we scored a goal in the end that you know um, didn't didn't really count for anything because we were out out for a count. Um, we missed a, the most god awful penalty um, that hit a policeman apparently in the the the, uh, the away end, um, and Shaibu hit the post. So it, it could have been different, but you know they could have scored another four or five goals. If we're honest with you, it's it's. There's no excuse for tonight. Um, you know, in the other games, as you said, there's you know we played well, but um, we had a lot of chances. But and look, no buts tonight. Buts. It wasn't good enough tonight. We fielded a weakened team. Um, that only works if they field a weakened team. Um, they they didn't. You know, clearly they had a lot more quality um, than, than than we did out there. It looked like it looked like we were watching a Premiership team. Playing a you know a lower league um, team in a friendly today, we were we we were way short. There's a lot of players out there that just didn't perform. McEachran was was awful, I thought. Um, Yanaris, I didn't think he played very well. Joseph Zoom once again, um, we we expect a lot more from him. Um, Mepham made um, a mistake. Um, he went with his wrong foot, I think, for the for the penalty. I don't I don't think there was a lot of you know a lot of doubt over that penalty. Um, the, our goalkeeper. Daniels, um, you know, he got a lot of abuse from 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 the away fans. You kind of go, so what? But they obviously saw he, they thought he was dodgy. So there's a lot, there's a lot of weakness there. The plus points, um, I thought, Chatsi Theodoridis, I thought he. I thought he played well. There's, you know, there's, there's a few players out there. Clarky, he kept going, um, but you know, we're, we're, I'm not even clutching at straws tonight. It's not good enough, and we've got two big games coming up now: Bolton away, Derby at home. Then we've got Middlesbrough away. You know, three, three really tricky games, and I'm not confident we'll we'll turn this around, Bill. Um, there's, you know, we we hoped that. This cup could be a springboard, um, and it, it, it's not been that. You know, we we could, you know, with with a win tonight and a, and a fortunate draw in the next round, we we could be sort of like really looking at going quite a long way. How can we expect to win? You know, the league cup. Well, you, you can do it. You can if you've got if you've got strength and depth and the quality, and you take it seriously, then you can go a long way in this. So. I think it's a missed opportunity tonight, and I think it's um, we were looking for tonight to to give us a, some sort of respite from a miserable start to the season, and it's kind of compounded it. So, really not happy. So after the game against Reading and against Norwich, the fans, the Brentford fans, were not happy at all. As you can see, there was like a sort of it's like, it's like when you sort of have this sort of like this 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 graph. It's like a straight line graph which rises, and you know the beginning of the match, and it just got worse and worse. And by the end of the Reading match, it sort of increased, and then it got to the Norwich match, and it increased even more. By the end of the Norwich match, everyone was absolutely fuming; they just couldn't take it anymore. Two matches, and it's amazing to see how much change there is. Because uh, I have to say, first of all, and I, and I mentioned this on the Tuesday night podcast, the Norwich game was probably the, the, the one really, really bad game that we've had in eleven so far. AFC Wimbledon, we were mm, we were a little bit dodgy in parts, but we got the win in the end. So that one, if you wanted to give that to us, well, you might have said that we probably didn't deserve to win that. But other than that, we've actually been playing quite good football. We'll be going on to talk about what that really means. You know, we've been great, great, great football, not got the results. But that one Norwich game and that one result has really changed a lot of people's thoughts and attitudes. It's almost like it's kind of gone one step beyond. 
Lady, what are your thoughts? Well, I want to know what are your, how your, you know, your new patented algorithm that you talked about a couple of weeks ago. You know, your, you know, this really new concept of um, gauging a performance out of one, one, one out of ten. So, how, how, how did your your computer system gauge last night's result out of ten? Well, last night's result, last night's perform. I mean, you know, my new computer system, you know, it, it, well, it, it broke down at the beginning but you know they, they, start, they started to get going and then it broke down within five or ten minutes so I, I had no results but I think maybe the reason why it broke down is to what was actually happening on the pitch it couldn't understand just like all the fans of the stadium couldn't understand neither could the computer understand because it was expecting certain things to happen and they didn't have it all well I've, I've got an, I'm, I've been working on one this week it's um, expected beers so it's like expected goals but it's, it's how many beers you expect to have during the course of an evening and my expected beers for tonight is three, um, but it, it, the chances are it might, I may get lucky in front of the bar and um, convert more than three. So I'm, I'm thinking last night, using your algorithm, thinking last night's performance was a two, and um, the Reading game probably a six. I mean that's 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 what I mean, that's that's obviously important. But what what's really important is where you where you are really. In, in, the, in the league position you know it doesn't matter about expected you can you can make up as much as we want to but at the end of the day what is really important is that, that how many beers you actually drink and how quickly you fall over surely yeah that's true and um, yeah um, bringing it back to the actual Brentford it, what, what we're kind of mucking around with is really is that there's there is sometimes there's a you know there's data out there which masks what you see with your own eyes and we touched upon this last week a little bit you know people that go week in week out to Brentford they you, you, you can look at that data if you're not at a game and kind of work out what could have should have happened but we know without looking at any stats any data any possession percentages that we were second best last night um, week in week out Brentford fans people that know their stuff know that we've been largely unfortunate not to have got more out of the games that we've played but equally we're getting to a stage now in the season where we are we're more than 10 games in in total including the cup games and we're really not anywhere near where we thought we would be and the, the not thought where we would be is a royal one it's from the very top of the club to the very bottom of the club everyone thought we were in for a very good season so I think everyone's called it wrong how bad we are or how how, how far away we are from being um, challenging for promotion challenging from a playoff place you know it's, it's a fine margin in each of these games but are, are, have we been left under, under equipped in, in, certainly in the striking positions you know it's, what's, it's not helps us Vive being injured but we we need something to change very quickly and I think we're all still scratching our heads and I've said to you a million times before on this podcast and it's a, it's a real observation over, over the past five, six years we've been we've been steadily building getting better we, um, there's been a it's been a you know it's, it's been a progressive background to, to, to following Brentford now at the moment things aren't going well and it's how how we all dig deep and, 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 and get out of this you know, I, I think that there's less pressure that on Dean Smith and the DOFs at the moment 
um, than there would have been under normal circumstances. I think over the last three or four years, we've only been like three games away from proper Armageddon the whole time. Now, there's a few boos last night, but I think people can see we're still a good team. Look, what the, the bad thing about last night was we did it we were we were really poor and that's the first time we have been poor is that we don't we don't need that creeping into the league league form now I'm going to come back to booing in a minute because that's a bit of an issue from from last night's match but the the, the Allard we talked about this a little bit last night you know at the game um, interestingly because tonight um, Burton are playing Man United uh, I think is that Old Trafford I think it might be at Old Trafford is that Old Trafford and Burton have made nine changes to their team, apparently, as have Man United made nine changes to their team. You know, so is this where this competition is at as well? I'd also say as well, because last season we got beaten by Exeter. We went to Exeter last season, away from home, and the best player on the pitch was, uh, I think it was 14, well, he's 15 years old, I think, at the time, um, Empadu, um, Ethan Empadu, who, uh, who played for Exeter City centre-back, and it, like I said to you, he had a... I think it's Hoffman in his pocket. He, uh, you know, he was like absolutely brilliant last season, and uh, he got transferred to Chelsea, and he's on the bench for Chelsea tonight. So, uh, and they're playing Nottingham Forest. So, it'll be interesting to see whether or not he comes on if he's just there for the match day experience and the the path to the first team, as they say. But the Allard, we talked about the changing of our team. Now, we're not on a winning run. We're like we're not. We haven't won a match yet. And we've come into a game like this, Norwich, which technically they're going to put in a first, second team is now. Would this be an ideal opportunity for us to just get some players into the side, get our team together and change the team so that we actually win a match because we need to win? Um, I think you asked me the same question last night on the, pod- on the um, Aftermatch podcast. Um, so, are you, sorry, remind me, did, did you just say there that should we change the team or shouldn't we change the team? Okay, so I, there's two ways of looking at this. Um, what I said last night was that there's a good argument that says when you're not doing well, um, stick them all out there and get a result. The problem is, if you do stick them all out there and don't get a result, where do you go this Saturday? So, you know, is there an argument that says um, change the team around? You haven't expected first 11 for Saturday because we, we played okay against Reading. Change the team around, give a few players an opportunity to break into that 11. If they don't play well, then you put the same 11 out that played against Reading. Um, I, you know what, and, and, and I'm sort of, I think we're all going round and round in circles here trying to work out what you do with this cup. I mean, Burton tonight making nine changes. I'm assuming they didn't rest nine players on Saturday for tonight's game because it's at Man United. Um, so, 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 you know, Burton have made this call. Um, Nigel Clough's made this call tonight. But it... Is it, you know, some people think it's that we're making the call that the league is more um, is more important than the cup. But I actually, I, I think the call is, is to some extent a little bit about giving players playing time. Because I'm sure there's probably, um, you know, stats from fitness coaches and that that say, you know, you need to give the players, you know, a, a, a game or, or whatever every so often to keep them sort of somewhat match fit. Um, not, not all players need, need, need to play regularly to be able to walk into a match but you know so, so there's a bit of that as well it's a really it's a it's a conundrum that as supporters when we lose we say you know we say fucking hell um, you know why do we make changes but then when we beat QPR with a few changes maybe not quite as many as last night and not you know not two debutantes I'll give, I, I, I'll give you that we go yeah great um, so it, you know 
it's difficult. As I said, as I said last night, we are only we're in, in certain positions. We're no more than one or two injuries away. So in in some cases, one um, from having to possibly play these players anyway. So if we get two centre backs injured, Mepham's got to play. If we get a left back injured, I would make an argument that Chatsidoris um, has got to play. You know, so, so so there are you know you know in some cases this is almost about protecting ourselves by giving them some first team experience rather than to put in the league. So I don't always buy this. You're not taking the cup seriously. I just think you you're finding an opportunity to give players game time. I, I know, Bill, you tipped us for promotion to the Premiership and um, European qualification through one of the league, one of the cups this season. Um, so last night, it's, it's kind of like it's. it's it's brought you, it's brought your predictions down a bit. I think asking asking us to change um, the way we play, I think, is is asking for disaster. Um, I think you know the, the last thing we need to do at the moment is panic. We need to you know cliche keep calm and carry on. That's what that's what we have to do. We, we, our, our, our options our options to do anything else are you know pretty much zero anyway. Can't bring any more players in, so we've got you know we've got our squad is what it is at the moment. Um, you know we can't play a long ball game. We haven't got we haven't got the staff. So you know you, you see it so often that when you start sort of um, binning your principles, then it then the wheels really do come off. You know if if, if Plan B doesn't work, you know we 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 are not a million miles away from being um, a, you know a winning team in the league. We haven't done it yet, and until until we have, it's going to be a, a completely monkey on our backs. But we we just got to carry on doing it. I don't think there's anyone at the football club is kind of even contemplating anything else I, I agree with Dave because I think last year when things weren't you know when we were struggling at times we did try a plan B last year three at the back and it didn't work um, so you know as Dave's already said we don't have the players to go long or try something like that uh, I'm sure there's probably a few people screaming 4-4-2 at the at, you know if they're listening to this and um, but I just think that's outdated and dumb, and and, and we've moved on from that. Um, is, that, is, that a, is that a problem though? I mean, I'm, I'm asking, I'm just asking, and throwing it into the pot because what we try and do in this show is we try and explore all the questions that other people might be asking as well. So you're sort of saying we play in one particular way, and, we, and a lot of, be, lot of people on the on the post match said there is no plan B. So is this a bit of an issue? Do, do sometimes we have to just flip it up? But if you look at the the Premier League, there's teams now playing three at the back. Um, Chelsea won the league last season with three at the back so we tried that plan B that was the plan B we tried it didn't work what people want to do is go back to something they're comfortable with and they like and and they talk about 4-4-2 but if you play 4-4-2 I just I, I just don't think we've got the personnel to do it uh, Bournemouth played 4-4-2 last Friday night against Brighton they, they look they looked all right in stages but you know you're right I don't think we have got the personnel to do that and again I'm just going to come sorry I don't mean to interrupt you and I'm sorry about this but you say we don't have the personnel to do it so wow. I mean, so so listen we're coming back to this whole thing because it's another word that you said today you said that you thought the side looked a bit misbalanced right yeah. so we talked about it, it looks misbalanced now if you're sitting down there and you're planning the side don't you sort of question to think, well, at the end of the day, we're going to make a team that's going to play in a particular way, but if we need to have a plan B, then we'll have this person that's going to come in to do that, and then you get a whole balance throughout the squad. So I'm just coming back to you to say that we're coming back and saying we haven't got the personnel, but is that the we haven't got the personnel because we've never planned to do this way? Because if we plan to say we'll play one way you know, in this, in this moment, and then this will be our plan B, then you sort of get the personnel, don't you? 
yeah, I mean, so so when I said that we're unbalanced, I think we're unbalanced um, in really in central midfield. Um, I don't know if we're more unbalanced though than we were last year. I, I, what does Makoto? Sorry, which way? In which way are we unbalanced? I just don't think we've got a strong. We haven't. The, the one thing we don't have in midfield, and we've and we've suffered with it, and we've said it for you know years on the podcast, is we don't have a strong player in midfield. You call him a defensive midfielder. You call him a battler. Whatever you want to call him. Um, and, and but I, but but then I look at it and. The favoured players to play in front of the back four at the moment are Woods or McCracken. Um, occasionally, Yanaris dropped in there last night. So I, I would imagine we're not even. I'm not even sure we're trying to find that player. Maybe is, is what I'm starting to think. I think people thought that you know Cameron Makocho would would, would would be that player, but but I, he clearly isn't. He's definitely got something, but he's not that player. I don't know we're not getting 90 minutes out of this. You know, we, we lost on Saturday against Reading. We were, we, were like, we were just saying how Makocho and Woods looked great in the middle together. Second half, it wasn't as good as that. Also, we've got to remember that when things aren't quite as sort of dour as they are at the moment, we, we've said, and a lot of people have agreed with us, that we really, really enjoy this ethos that is throughout the club. There's one style of play, you know, B-team, A-team, they, you know, youth, every, they, they know what's expected of them. It's, it's one style of play. Um, you know, we, we haven't got two out-and-out strikers. We, we've got, you know, we've used the system for the last three or four years. You know, re, you know, one up front, whether it's Hogan, whether it's Gray, whether it's Vibay, whoever it is, you know, we, it's worked for us. Overall, it's worked for us. Um, and I, and I, I don't really want to see us varying from that. And, and it, when, it, when it does click, and it will... We, uh, you know, I'm I'm posit- I'm not going to stick my blinkers on and pretend that at the moment it's not a bit stinky. But you know, in in a few in a couple of months' time, when we've pulled away from this you know crappy little spell we're in at the moment, we we all look back. I mean, we we have to recalculate and recalibrate what, what this season is now. You know, we said that we touched upon this last night. At the moment, we are in a relegation fight until proved otherwise. We have to put in some serious results now to pull away from the, you know, the, the dog, dog's muck end of, of this division. And and I, you know, I I I felt a bit last night reminded me. There's a few games reminded me of, but the, the feeling was a bit like after I think it was Carsley's first game when we drew with Birmingham. I think, or did we lose no, to him? We lost to Birmingham. Yeah, okay. Well. So Carsley's first game, and I felt, and but we were only, I think, I think they went, he went to, but was it Bolton away next? Anyway, we were, we were only one or two games away from an amazing run, and you know what? We didn't change tactics, we didn't change the system, we carried on doing what we do, um, and for some reason it clicked, and I'm starting to think, you know, currently we're in a position where I suspect. When I'm standing watching us attack, when I see Yanaris get a shot on goal or get a look at goal or or even, you know, who, whoever it is, I don't feel they're going to score. And that, and that is... And, and I cannot believe, and I know Dean Smith denied this a couple of weeks ago, but I cannot believe the same feeling isn't out there on the pitch. So that confidence at the moment is drained from them and they need to somehow refine the confidence. And and they're just overthink and I think they're overthinking stuff. That's that I really think it's 
that. I think probably, you know, the Norwich game last night, we we were probably a little bit naive and thinking that we could get anything out of that game without Woods and Sawyers being being in that team. Norwich were way too strong for us to be messing around with, you know, wholesale changes. You know, yeah, I get I get introducing Mepham, I get giving Chatsy Fiora Didis or whatever, you know, another game. Um, I, I, I get I get all of that, but you know I, I do think we were really light in the middle. Um, McCreckran, he didn't look at the races at all last night. We, did, we didn't get a, we didn't get a shift out of him. And uh, you know we, we Watkins again, you know not not really up to the mark. Joseph Zoom not up to the mark. You know so you know Shaibu, we got we got an option there. He, he looked really hungry. We got to look for where the hunger is. We got we got to look for where this desire is. Give him a chance. Uh, when you said Watkins, I, I think Mal- Malpay you meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, um, yeah um, agree with all of that. Um, I think that we are. I noticed it last night more than I've noticed it this season. I think bringing Dowsgaard in um, has given us a bit more hype. But last season, I really felt we were back to looking small. I was watching um, Chatsidoris. Um, I was watching him mark players for corners and he was constantly picking a bloke who was at least a foot taller than him. Sorry, he wasn't picking the guy, that's just the way it fell. And there was no and, and, he, and he had to pick a player up and um, you know, we were lucky not to get punished for that as well. Um, but that you know, that's kind of where we are, that's part of our thing. But he's a great footballer, isn't he? You know, I love watching him play. He's a fantastic footballer. Um, and I'm I'm really hoping that, you know, he, he he carries on the way he started off. I thought I thought he had a great game last night. Really interesting because we talked about this as well last night because obviously um, Tom Fields has been the, the left back in that position. So we had um, uh, we had Rico Henry, then we had Tom Field, and uh, then nothing else really. But then all of a sudden, Tom Field has been he's been put out on loan, and and and, and Ilias has come in in his place, and it basically looks in effect Ilias has become the the substitute left back player. And Tom Field is, is in effect, he's the, the, the third place um, a left-back player as well, the full-back that we've got on that side, which is an interesting scenario. So I don't know whether or not they felt, they, obviously they must have done, felt that Field hasn't sort of progressed enough in the, the year, the year and a half. And they put him into that position and they thought the only way that they can actually try and see if he can up his game is to actually give him games in a lower division. Whereas Ilias, they're happy to put him on the bench in championship games and also put him you know, out against the, in this cup. Yeah, I, I suspect the, the real thing is is that we've got three left-backs um, and we've only got two teams. Um, so essentially, the, you know, if Field played in the B team, then Ilias wasn't going to play and it's probably more easier to get Field out on loan. So it may not even have been as simple as, you know, we rate Ilias more. I don't, I don't know, but it probably was easier to get Field out on loan because he had some first-team experience. And it was just trying to sort of say, you know, we need to keep these players playing because if they don't play, they won't get better. Listen, so last night there was a bit of booing. At the end of the match, well, during the match as well, I think, or maybe even at half-time as well, but during the match, a little bit, but definitely at the end of the match, there were some big boos, as they used to say, at the 291 Club, if anyone out there remembers the 291 Club TV. And there's this phrase that we used to say, you must take our ball. You must take our ball. So the players did take our ball at the end of that match. And um, there was also not only a take our ball, but they also did, you don't know, uh, not, uh, what the effing hell was that as well from the crowd. Now, it's very rare that you get something like that, but there was a real reaction from the crowd. To be fair to... 
Barbe, who, like I said to you, I received his ball. I went and got his ball back from uh, when I went up in the space shuttle today and I brought it back after it went in orbit. He came over to the fans at the end of the match and he applauded them. Um, I, I, again, I didn't quite see because I was chatting to people before, so I don't know if everybody else did, but I turned around and I saw Barbe came, came over and he chatted to them, which I thought was fair enough. But taking a boo, that normally is a little bit of a crux. And I want to talk to you guys. We've talked about this whole idea of taking a boo. Um, is it okay for the fans to take a boo well, at any time? Um, I just I, the, the Barbe thing was quite interesting because as he walked towards the fans, there was a bit of a boo, but as he sort of faced them up, it kind of stopped. Um, which I thought was quite. I thought that was just. I thought that was kind of interesting. So there was this, you know, boo them when, when they're. But as the player, as Barbe came towards them, they sort of changed a bit. I think Dowsgaard came over as well. There may have been more afterwards. So what should you boo the players? Is the, is is ultimately the question. Personally, I don't boo. Um, I don't boo if I. I don't boo if players play football. I the, the sort of thing I might boo is when somebody, you know, and I, I, would I do it if it's a Brentford player? I don't know. When I see somebody, you know, commit thuggery on the pitch, um, then I might boo them. Um, but in general, uh, okay. So the Reading, okay, the Brentford players, but other players you would do like the Reading player who kept falling over. Um, I think he's at number eleven, and not the Reading player, the, the Norwich player who kept on slipping over and, and feigning. Murphy. Murphy, Murphy kept on feigning injury and death and everything like that. Did you boo him? He got quite a lot of boos. Well, sometimes I just think sometimes you create this sort of. I, I always think if you boo boo like, culture, if you boo ex-players, they generally up their game. So I don't. I never think it's a good idea, particularly to boo ex-players. I don't think it's a good idea to boo. Trying to think of his name. Who's the Middlesbrough player that went to? Bristol um, oh, yeah, tam- um, tam- not template um, yeah you know uh, what I mean yeah uh, Tomlin um, I don't boo him because it just see- I've never seen a player up his game more than when he gets booed um, so I do have this sort of rule just generally don't get that involved in the booing apart from if I see thuggery on the pitch and then I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to I'm not going to be a hypocrite here because if if there were if there was booing during the game what we'd be saying is if people have got a gripe about the, the performance they should wait until the final whistle and if I'm honest with you I didn't hear any booing during the game I didn't hear it at half time and I was vid- you know I was videoing people and people did do it at the final whistle and I personally haven't got a problem with it I, I didn't boo um, and I, I, I think that people are, are able to express themselves exactly as they want when the performance and the players won't get affected by it if, if the uh, yeah yeah I, I agree with Dave I, I didn't actually make that point clear enough is that people do pay their money um, and if they're not entertained um, then I would I criticise them I, pro- I probably wouldn't it's just not for me they, they, want, they want us to cheer and they want us to sing and they want us to get behind the team and we do that during the game and I think I think last night people did try I think there was a, a decent it was an effort made to get behind the team last night even you know even when the game looked you know out for the count something that I do miss is the slow hand clap that's, that's a weapon that hasn't been used for a long time. I haven't heard it at Griffin Park for a very long time. If you're, dis- if you're not really happy with what's going on, there used to be a... And that really, really did hack people off. I mean, so the booing... It's interesting because you talk about the booing um, and people trying to express themselves. Now, it's interesting because my, my uncle, um, who's a Leeds fan, 
and, and he's come down to Brent for the last couple of seasons he's come down and he's actually stood with us in the, in the away end say my uncle my, my, my father-in-law actually and he's come and stood with us in the away end he always loves coming down there he thinks it's great great crowd great people so he stands with us in the away end and remember two seasons ago it was a night match we were playing Leeds and we were standing up there and I think it was probably nil all after half an hour or 45 minutes something like that and he turned around to me he goes your fans are, are really polite and I said why do you say that he goes well I mean, you're missing a hat full of chances, and 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 you're just the fans are just going, oh well, never mind. That was really good play. He goes, if that was Leeds, they would have absolutely annihilated them. Like you know what I'm saying, and he's going like they've got. A, he goes, your fans have got a, you know have got a very very sort of long fuse, and they sort of seem to accept a lot of things. And he goes, that's kind of one of the things that I quite like about coming here because it's kind of you go in the pubs, everyone's quite friendly, but also that scenario. And what I want to say is that that is quite an interesting scenario because as we as we see, we talked about this again. Um, a couple of couple of days ago, I mean Harley Dean, he's gone to Birmingham City, um, and it's taken. I mean, I spoke to my Birmingham mates. Okay, I spoke to Davo from Birmingham, who's the video blogger there, and everything like that. And he said to him, "Listen, when they come to Birmingham, they can't play up. If they don't, if they don't pull their weight, they're going to get they're going to get slaughtered." And it took a week, right? And I mean, Harley Dean is getting absolute dogs abuse by the, the Birmingham City fans and what I'm saying is that not, not, we're not advocating this but what we're saying that sometimes people don't realise how good you got it and the fact is that Brentford fans may go out there and they may they may moan and they may not be happy about certain things but this season right we've gone you know we've gone 11 we play 11 games right we've gone 8 games or whatever it is in the league without winning and we've played great football passing football somebody else might come in from outside and say oh great not incisive you're, you're passing the ball around sideways and backwards but you're actually not doing anything up front so they'll be a lot more cutting if they come to another team but we're kind of almost like sometimes a little bit happy to be there so we're like giving the teams plaudits and saying they're really playing really great football whereas somebody else might do a different thing so all I'm trying to put, emphasize the fact is that interesting there was a boo it's almost like there's a tipping point last night but that tipping point may have come earlier if it was Leeds United or Birmingham or Middlesbrough or Millwall maybe I'm, I'm, not, I'm sorry I'm just pulling these teams out of the hat but definitely as I've said to you Birmingham City is one team they ain't ramping around I think I think um, I think one of the things though last night maybe to, if we're honest maybe if it had been a league game with 9,000 Renford supporters there may have been I think it was a bit more of a hardcore there last night um, and I suspect there would have been half time booze to be honest and um, and there may have been a bit more I mean I mean, to be honest last night I remember the Saki LA when Norwich passed the ball from the Brentford supporters which I thought was you know kind of a uh, amusing in a way um, rather than being but I, I, I do think it was it was sort of a hardcore last night maybe and, and, and that was possibly why because it was disappointing and um, I think if we turned that out on a Saturday with 10,000 there there may have been booing a bit before yeah, yeah, yeah possibly and, and again that's, that's why I'm a, a slightly hesitant to um, criticise the fans that, because they were the hardcore last night yeah. you know they, they the, the people there last night were argue, you know, arguably the ones that do go away as well people that don't really miss a game full stop so you know they the people there last night knew and I, and I, I do honestly think I do honestly think that several players fell below the expected level and I think it was right in if you felt like that way to, to, to boo at the final whistle and, and you, it's interesting again we're going to talk about the crowd you talk about the hardcore I mean last night the crowd was just under it's about 4,800 
Now, if you want to take away probably 1,200 Norwich fans, fair, fair play to Norwich, coming down for a game like this, I mean, would we have taken 1,200 fans to Norwich? You know, I doubt, I doubt it very much. So they've brought 12, 1,200 fans or whatever it is down to Brentford, which leaves, as we said to you, because this was a game, don't forget, it's not like these other games where they tell you the crowd's 10,000 and you take away the away fans, you think, oh, that's not bad. There's like, you know, 8,000, 8,500 Brentford fans. But what they don't tell you is that there's 1,500 or 2,000 season ticket holders that haven't turned up. Yesterday's game, basically everybody who came through the door, you knew who they were there because they had to buy a ticket for that game. And the game for yesterday, the t- game for yesterday was 4,800. Take away 1,200 Norwich fans, that means there was about 3,000, just over 3,500 Brentford fans who could be bothered to come out of their house and pay £10 to go to that game. Now, some people have said it's the cup, it's been devalued. Other people say it's the way that we're playing our football. And other people just say, you know, it could be just kind of whatever or too much football. But I just think that this is a real sign, the fact that only 3,500 Brentford fans could be bothered to go to this game. And I know everyone keeps talking about new stadium and this, and when we build it, everyone will come and all that nonsense, right? As far as I'm concerned, as you know, I don't believe all that stuff. I feel that you have to work hard to drive people in, and it's not necessarily all about results. It's about more other things about the results. It's about the, the club and the, the culture and the, and, the, and the vibe that they put around it, and you're building up your brand in the right way and stuff like that. And I've got going over that for ages, you know. I lecture in, in marketing at, at university, and that's kind of the things that we talk about all the, all the whole time. And this, to me, is uh, it's a bit of a sign. I mean, you might think oh, I'm overreacting a little bit, but I just thought that that was very, very interesting. And it was quite hard. Like I said, it was quite a, quite a hard call. We talked about, and we're going to come back to this. Um, Maybe the the, the the competition as well. Was it like I said, seven or eight or nine years ago? Like I said, I mean, it was on the on the piece there earlier. Earlier, earlier, we talked about it. Burnham and Burnham City. The fact that we've taken. Three and a half thousand fans plus to Birmingham City eight, nine years ago, um, and we were absolutely rabid in the cup. This same round of the cup, as we have done, that have turned up there today, it kind of just kind of shows how things have shifted over the years. Um, the value that people may have put on this competition, the value that people have put kind of where we're at now, you know, as to maybe where we were then, and the fact is that you, to me, is the most important thing. You can't take anything for granted at all. It's not the results are one thing as well, but there's it's much more than that. I yeah, sorry. Um, I think um, I do you know what I, I was going to make a vague argument and say look, in that run that was was the Birmingham away game, not after the Everton game, um, which got everybody up for it. Um, weren't weren't Birmingham in the Premier League at the time? Um, and I might be wrong on both of those, but I think I'm right on at least one of them. Um, but you know, ultimately, what's the point in arguing? The cup, this cup, is devalued, um, and um, I don't really know where it goes. I think I think we've done on the podcast before. We put our ideas forwards um, as to how to sort of improve it, um, but it seems it's going to carry on as it is for the time being. Yeah, last night's attendance was really poor. Full stop. Uh, we had we had fewer fewer beast fans last night than we have season ticket holders. In a, in a league game, you have you, see, you know you have however many season ticket holders we sold, plus people that don't want to commit to that over the whole year. So we, we end up with more than five thousand, six thousand, seven thousand Brentford fans. You you would expect that everyone with a season ticket would want to have a ten pound ticket for a, you know a league cup game. We saw that there wasn't the appetite for it last night. So what what is the root cause of that? The root cause of that is. 
probably people just th- thought that things aren't going to change, and like it was a night off. You know, it was a it was a game not to not to turn up. So, you know, we, we had a decent turnout at QPR in the previous round. Um, we had a decent turnout at AFC Wimbledon in the first round. You know, I, th- I just think we knew we're an, we are quite an educated fan base. You know, people do do know their stuff, and I, and I think what you the point that you made earlier, Bill, about you know people um, booing and um, you know it. That they're, you know, they, they, it, people have just kind of just ha- had enough. They've had a gutful of kind of. They know they knew what was going to happen. There's no signs quite yet of, of the tide changing. If we get a win on Saturday, it may it may be a bit different. But I think you know we we might be in this little rut for a few more weeks yet. I'm going to ask about. I mean, we're still <clears throat> obviously you know we, we we were sitting here depressed for a couple of hours and we've sung a couple of beers and now and now it's all flowing, isn't it? Like you know what I'm saying. But um, leader. We talked about Harley Dean being the leader, and now Harley Dean's gone. And now we have, and we talked about this earlier, there's no leader on the pitch. There's no out-and-out leader, we feel, on that pitch. Now, is this affecting Brentford? Um, Because personally, I I think that it is. And I think this is probably one of the things that's uh, um, probably kind of sort of depressing me more than anything else. Because what you do is that the last two couple of years, we've had dodgy little runs, but we've kind of pulled ourselves out of it for whatever reason. But you expect somebody to come and help you to pull you out of it, especially on the pitch. And I'm a little bit worried that oh, I can't see anybody who's out there who's putting their end up saying, "Oi, come on, right, listen, you guys, you need to pull, you know, you need to get your finger out your ass, and you need to actually pull yourselves out of it." And at the moment now, we're going out there playing a pretty football, getting kicked up every now and again, going, "Oh no, they've stopped us playing off pretty football. They've scored a goal, and they shouldn't have gone, scored a goal, and then we've lost or we've drawn." And it's just like it shouldn't really be like that. Now, I mean, do you agree? Yeah, um, I agree with you. Um, but I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna talk about Harley Dean to start with. Um, yes, Harley Dean did have an element of that about him. I don't think he was exemplary, um, and I think fans are, have been on the end of him shouting at him and 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 stuff like that. You know, in in, in other bad runs which we've seen, and Harley was involved in those bad runs as well. He isn't. You know, he's not. Let's not kid ourselves that all those bad runs happened when Harley was injured and then he came back in and suddenly we were brilliant again because we had Harley Dean. But yes, I take your point. At the moment, we don't have a leader. Um, I think we'll, we should probably talk about who we think the leader should be in a minute. Harley, um, now he's gone, it's a little bit easier. You know, I think I think we've flirted around. We, we, we I think Manners, where Manners, Manners was due uh, up until the time he left... You know, we've 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 kind of Nick's been you know an advocate of Harley's not good enough. We've we've always seen him as a bit of a leader and and a, and a bit of like um, an alpha player at, at Brentford. Um, I'm glad he's gone. Um, he, I, I thought he was um, you know he was all about himself, and I I won't really forgive him for coming and fronting out the fans after losing five 0 at Norwich. I think that was probably, you know, I've said it a million times on here, it was the darkest day of my Brentford support in life. The last thing that we wanted to do was to be like shouted at by a player after watching the most abject performance of the season last year. Um, he fronted out fans on Twitter when anyone, any, anyone said anything vaguely critical about him. He, he went and kind of hunted them down. But you try that at Birmingham. You, you said that, you know, grass isn't always greener. If he puts in sub 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 adequate performances up there, there's there's he's gonna he's gonna get a, a proper you know 
shitstorm coming his way. So, I, I, you know, careful what you wish for, mate. Um, Harley, this season, was looking to get away. Um, we didn't see the best out of him this year. It does leave us without a leader, but, you know... Makocho was it was he was he the guy is Bielen the guy um, Woods we've said that you know we would like to see given the given the armbands because you know he he's, he is an inspirational player he's one of the best players that we've seen for a long long time um, I think I think it might help him go to that next level give him a bit of responsibility along with you know his pirouettes and his you know his, his sideward passing so may, may, maybe we do need to think about where where we want to give that armband to I don't think I, I, I do think we're we lacking a natural one yeah I, I don't I don't think it's um you know I don't I don't think um Barbe's quite got it I, I don't think Yanaris has got it what about Bielend Bielend I, I, well if we play him he needs to be a captain needs to be a week in week out and you know I'm not sure Bielend is that at the moment I I think that's part of the problem with with the centre-back rotation we've seen so far um, so I you know I'm sort of thinking uh, although on last night's performance I mean it's hard to make an argument that Barbe is the best centre back at the club because he, he, he didn't he didn't have a great game irrespective of the of the penalty miss um, I I sort of think that really for me Bar- Barbe doesn't look like a leader to me he, he, I think he's a, I, I, I do think he's a great player albeit last night so that leaves you with if you're looking at the centre backs as your captains, it leaves you Bielend or Egan. Um, Egan wore the armband um, recently, so you know I'm expecting one of them to step up. But whoever it is has got to play regularly, and I think, and, and I think it's a really. I mean, do they have to be captain to be the leader? Maybe they don't even have to be captain to be the leader. You know, well, I, well we had we had that a couple of seasons ago where we had the, sort of the team leader and the captain, didn't we? You know, so somebody was kept on the pitch and somebody else was sort of like the captain on the training ground. Like the, like the club captain was like O'Connor had the club captain when he wasn't even playing, and then it was it was you know. Yeah, there was another interesting moment last night where um, it was the first of Barbe's free kicks in the second half, and there seemed to be a debate amongst the players and a bit of a shrugging of shoulders and a look at each other as to whether they were going to put you know I, I don't like it personally but put that three man wall in front of the keeper and they sort of one went to do it and he waved to others and, and I just thought at that point I thought that was quite telling that the players seemed to lack a bit of direction there that it surely would have come from a you know from some sort of a leader on the pitch and, um, and I, you know I, I, I sometimes think that the captain role is a little bit overrated but but unquestionably, you do need leaders. There's no doubt about it. Actually, now you mention it, that three-man wall thing. They try, I saw it twice last night. It was really, really half-hearted. It was almost like they they felt they they, they were told they sh- had to do it, but they didn't really have their heart in it. The first time, I really felt that that there was almost a hurt. Do we have to do this? I, I I you know you're not privy to hear what the discussion was. But there was a bit of a wave by, and I, I, I'm not going to name players because I'm not 100%, but one of the players sort of waved a couple of to do it, and they didn't really seem to want to do it. And then that one went and did it, and they sort of joined him, and it was a bit odd. So, um, 
listen, we've been talking for quite a long time on this as well now, but obviously we've got lots of things to say. And also, as we say, we try to reflect people's views on this as well. And like we said to you, beside Pride of Press on the podcast, I'm going to interject in here as well now to just tell you, push your button and if you can subscribe to us now, it'll be absolutely wicked because we want more and more subscribers. And also on iTunes and, and, and wherever else, Acast and that lot, if you can write a comment about us, lovely comments, just if you like it, just say, listen, it's brilliant, we love it. And we'll go up for the ratings and more people can listen to us and more people will hear it and then hopefully more people come down to Brentford but coming back to this we've talked about players we've talked about how we even got the results I'm just wondering or we're all just wondering here where does the line come between um, Smith Dean Smith's responsibility and the director of football's responsibility Um, because there's been a little bit of kind of comeback recently we've noticed on social media about people questioning directors of football which means that they're questioning the signings whether or not we've got the right players wrong players the balance and all this kind of stuff whereas interestingly sort of two, three, four weeks ago five weeks ago everyone's delighted with who we'd signed we feel we've got the best squad and the strongest squad ever so where are we at now and where is the responsibility now is it kind of the directors of football have gone here we go we've got you all you lot go on Dean Smith you do your thing or is there still kind of uh, a joint role here um, I, I, do you know what I really don't know because I, I don't really know the inner workings of the club um, uh, you think that Smith would have control of the way we play and, um, and, and, and all of that but we played the same way under let me think three four so think Warburton we played this way we played this way under Dykehausen, Carsley, Smith. So we haven't changed the way we played. So I, I think there's an ethos within the club that that's the way we play, um, whether Smith likes that or not. Um, I, I think he's a coach and he's there to get the best out of the players. And, and ultimately, the getting the best out of the players is preparing them mentally and um, to some extent, it's not everything, it's preparing them physically. And I, and I kind of think that's where Smith's sort of role is. And... Um, and maybe at the moment, mentally, we're a little bit short. Really interesting question, actually. I think a bit of both. I think um, before the season and in the first couple of games, everyone at this club was really confident that this was a squad that could do something this year. And I say everyone, I mean that from from a fan that was watching the first Brentford game, they would have they would have seen real potential there to someone who's been following Brentford for 60, 70, 80 years, to the directors of football, to the owner. I think everyone thought that this was a season where we would achieve something. So I would say that at that point, from game one, the responsibility was handed straight over to the coaches, to Dean Smith and his coaches. It was for them to take the squad and make them perform, make them achieve. They were given the raw ingredients. They were the ones that were tasked to go out there. They were responsible, culpable to go out and make sure that this team performed. That has happened in some respects. The performances have been good. The results haven't been good. We went to transfer deadline day and we sold three players, as we well know, to Birmingham City. Have our, have our performances suffered because of those three losses? Probably not at the moment. Is our squad weaker because of those three losses? Yes. So the, 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 the ins and outs is down to the directors of football. So I say Smith has now got to achieve the same results with a reduced squad, a reduced skill set. Well, hold on a second. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna just interject there. We've 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 brought more. We've got more players in than we did. 
I'm, you know what I'm saying so we've sold three and we brought in six or seven so no, he's got absolutely. more players no. you know so, so I'm just saying I'm just going to ask so, so no, you qualify right. are you talking about quality wise no yo but I'm talking about I'm talking about we had the six or seven players that we brought in and we had those three players that we sold for the first few games of the season so our performances during those games when we had everyone wasn't any different to what we saw against Reading I'm not going to I'm going to forget Norwich because that was a cup game in the league the Reading performance, especially in the first half, was no was, was better than what we saw at Sheffield United. Sheffield United, we had everyone. Now we've got everyone apart from those three: Colin, um, Dean, Yotta. So, so, so Smith, etc., and Franks, and everyone have got to do their thing without those three players. It, I, I, I say that. I, I, I reckon that more of this is at Dean Smith's door, and I and I and I, I know I'm I'm not at the point yet where I'm really questioning whether he should be manager or not. I'll be honest with you, you know I, I I'm going to go back to the keep calm and carry on, and I, I'm not sticking my head in the sand. I just think it will come right, and it's it's belated, and it's it's, it's well overdue, but I, th- I think it will be okay. But I think it is right that people are starting to question Dean again. And, and, and again, if you listen to the, 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 the pre-Norwich and the, the post-Norwich and the post-Reading, uh, we had one character as well who, 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 the thing that he said, he turned around and he said that someone has got to be accountable, which is interesting as well because, you know, he'd actually tweeted out that he felt that Dean had to go because he's not getting the results. I mean, when we questioned him on the, on the podcast, he said that, well, he doesn't necessarily think Dean's got to go, but someone, something's got to change. So there's a little bit of a contradiction there, but we did kind of understand what he's saying, where he's saying something's got to change, but he couldn't quite work out where the change was. So then he kind of said, well, because I can't really work out the change, because I don't know the organisation as such, it's got to be Dean, or maybe it's not Dean Smith, then maybe it's somebody that works behind him, or maybe it's somebody in that sort of organisation. So... I mean, I understand that point completely. He's saying results aren't happening. Um, someone's got to go. The argument that you know that I, I give is that you know, do you sack somebody after? Sort of, you know, I mean, he's been there for two years now. So, but you sack somebody after um, four or five or six or seven games, especially if you're playing well. If everyone's saying that we're playing well, we and it's not been going right. I mean, Matt. Yeah, I mean, people say football is a results business. I don't think that's the way Brentford works. Um, so I don't actually I don't think there's much pressure on Smith at the moment Um, I think if we started if we stopped playing well and started losing then I think you know then I think the pressure does change on Smith but I I, I do think we run a little bit differently Um, I think a lot of clubs that were expecting to be in the playoffs we've already seen it at Birmingham Oh, I wasn't expecting to be in the playoffs, but I'm sure that there were people at the club were because they got Redknapp in. I even saw somebody today suggest we should get Redknapp in because he was free. Um, I'm shaking my head at that. Um, I, I, so, so yeah, I don't. I, I'm not sure that at the minute we're in a position where I would even think we would be even thinking about getting rid of Smith. Um, last night's performance was crap. If we played like that for the next six games, then I'd probably say things have changed. And again, I'm not advocating it at all, but again, we just what we do is we pull in the views of people around us. And I mean, I've noticed on social media, some people are saying, I'm getting really fed up with the Smith Out crowd. I actually haven't seen that much, but you see a little bits and pieces 
popping up here and there. I think it's quite difficult for fans because if you've been playing good football, you know what it's like. All you need is one good result or two good results and people completely change their mind. Also, you get one or two good results and it changes everything around. And before you know it, you're on a run of four or five or six or seven or eight, nine games. That's what's happened in the last couple of years. There's a few things that we're probably not privy to as well. You know, when we spoke to Rob Rowan um, back in February and we, we found out all about the B team, we, we, we talked about the um, transition from the B team into the A team, what the club has, has put, they call them non-negotiables. We, we, we don't know whether they looked at the League Cup this year and they said that there were non-negotiables at, during, the, during the League Cup campaign we had to fledge X amount of B team players that might have been something that the football directors and the manager and the, what's it, the coach sat down before the beginning of the season and said this is the how, this is how we're going to treat the League Cup this year so you know we, we, we do know that there's a pledge from between you know internally that there will be evolution into the first team into the first team squad we we but there was it was miscalculated last night. Someone someone made a someone made a mistake last night. We we underestimated Norwich and how strong they would be. We needed to give them a match because I you know the, you know the draw in the Philippines in the Philippines tonight. You know we we don't know what we've missed out on, and you know that that could have been a couple of million quid if it was the right team. And I'm going to just comment. I'm going to finish this up now because we've been talking for a very long time on this, but obviously we had things to get off our chest and. Um, the Dutchman said it, and I think he put it very eloquently in the post-match thing here. I would come back to this whole idea that there are three and a half thousand Brentford fans at this game now. Now, at the end of the day, I mean, we kind of like, you know, we, I mean, for me to come out of the house, I mean, I live all the way in North London, to come down an hour and a half. In fact, I wasn't, I was actually up at Hatfield at the uni, so it took me forever to get down there um, yesterday. Uh, absolute forever and I must admit I wasn't massively motivated to come down here for this game now as it was you know there was a bit of you know the, the team one wasn't right the way the team didn't play wasn't right you could tell that they couldn't be bothered you could tell and we've had this with the League Cup for years that they couldn't be bothered now what does the what does the club expect okay? because when as we say the club and the team can't be bothered how can they expect the fans to be bothered? And this has a spin-off, not only on just today, as a spin-off on Saturday, on weeks, you know, on bad vibe going around the club. There's people sort of saying, oh, it's a bit of a bad atmosphere, but a lot of negativity. But what do you expect? You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like you have to... If Sometimes you look at this and you think, oh, no, we've got to put this team in because that's just what you have to do because we don't want to get players injured. We've got to, you know, play B-team players, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, is that... Just like what we were saying beforehand about Hotter, which we couldn't do anything about him, he's a player which is a great player, but also he brought a certain flair and a certain vibe and brought a zing to the team and everything like that, that technically you couldn't buy, right? And you might bring another player in behind that, and he hasn't really got that, right? And that is something that you cannot put your finger on, right? And there's the same thing like you do something like this. Like we're playing this League Cup game here, and they think, oh, it's just the League Cup's a load of shit. But actually, what happens is that if we, if we do that, it brings the fans up and it brings a zing around the stadium and it gets everybody happy. And what it might do is it might make their life easier for the next three or four or five weeks. That, to me, was a major miscalculation because when you sit down there and you look at it very clinically, we should do this, we shouldn't do that, you don't almost like understand the vibe, the fan vibe, the social vibe, the social element that should go around all that, which is very important. Somebody should be out there monitoring that. It's not, you know, it shouldn't be always the fans should be feeding it on a, on a, on a push scenario. People should be pulling that information and monitoring it and understanding. And sometimes I think that maybe people just don't 
understand the fans or maybe they just disregard that I take your point um, I still think that unfortunately the cup plays its role to bed some younger players um, in the team and get them playing football in front of crowds and against good teams and and you know what we might not we might not see that Mepham is going to be um, our first choice centre back for three years but last night might have been part of his learning curve um, I you know I maybe we made one change too many too many I, I didn't think to be fair you know I'm, I'm, I'm not doubting him but Archibald really didn't play any role in the game um, for what for, you know for whatever reason he but he, but he didn't so maybe there was one change too many but ultimately would I blame the the, the players that are on that, that you know from the B team that played last night or would I blame the experienced players and I and, and to be honest I probably blame the experienced players I think Dutch Dutchman himself said that and um, so three more experienced players would we have been any better I don't think we would have I think it's a bit of a missed opportunity as well. I think you're spot on with what you said. You know, the um, the the you know the, the, the more experienced players they they didn't you know especially in midfield they really didn't do what was needed of them. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we've got another Tuesday nighter on um, you know next week against Derby County. And if people had come down last night and just had a you know an absolute blast and it would have been a really really good night, they'd, they'd go well. We've got another one next week. You wouldn't miss it for the world. And you know, I think I think we, we do struggle for um, on the midweekers um, because you know people are you know commuting back from London in a lot of cases or driving in against the rush hour. So it is it is a hard schlep for some, for a lot of people to get to these you know midweek games. But you know under the floodlights, I don't think you really want to miss them. And you know there, it was only a few weeks ago we were trying to work out how many how many floodlit games we had left at Griffin Park. So you know I'd say you know. Get down, get down Tuesday night, and just let's forget last night if we can. Listen, a lot of chat there, a lot of things to get off our chest, and lots of reflection of views around the place. Now we've got a few other things we're going to talk about, and we're going to run through them in a moment. We're going to talk about Bobby Booker. We're going to be talking about a big book of Brentford. We might talk about a few other bits and pieces if we've got time after this twang. So big chat there. We're just going to sort of wind it down a little bit. Sitting there with my feet up. I'm feeling quite social, yeah? Just talking with mates here. We were talking about Wigan and we were talking about Bolivia. We were talking about Mexico, earthquake, holidays, working abroad. The, the Allard was telling about us about his exploits. And we just had a little bit of a chin wag, a little bit of a social, which brought us onto the thought of, of the socials, the Besotted Socials, the Besotted Social Club, which you are able to sign up to on the Besotted website hopefully it's still up there you sign up the Besotted website they'll give you all the information on the socials and we decide to hold our first social of the year which is going to be the next Saturday home match Millwall on Saturday the 14th of October playing Millwall and we're going to open the doors up at midday for people to come down and meet and chat to Bobby Booker we're going to talk to him for however long we want to talk to him for we get him down and he's going to see what he's talking about and some people may or may not know who Bobby Booker is he's a player who played for Brentford in the 70s the 80s and the 90s he's a right character he, he, he was one of those players who just absolutely put his heart and soul into it he was a Brentford player through and through he went on to a couple of other teams including um, Sheffield United as well, who's a big cult hero there, um, did very well for them as well. But you know, Bob Booker's going to be in the boozer with us. We'll give you more details as the game goes down. But we just want you to just to put the date in the diary midday, Saturday, the 14th of October. Bobby Booker sitting down there chatting to us, 
and also chatting to all the Brentford fans who are going to turn up, have a pint of beer and enjoy the afternoon. Dave? Yeah, um, I think we've mentioned Bob several times. He's, he's, a, he's a real icon at Brentford. You know, he, he joined us um, as, a, you know, as, a, as a young rookie. He scored a hat-trick on his home debut. Um, against Hull City in a 7-2 win. I was there to see that and there was obviously high, very, very high things expected of Bob. Um, he was with Brentford for well over 10 years in that first stint. Uh, he, he was great, he was bad, he was, all, he was everything in between. He played every position for Brentford, um, but what he always gave everything he, he could. He was a really honest footballer, he wasn't a shirker. Um, you know, he, he probably wouldn't have got in this team now, um, he'd probably be one of the first to admit that. But at, in that era, he, he, he epitomised Brentford. They really, he really gave everything. He's got a lot of stories to tell. There's a lot of stories that he's put in Greville Waterman's book, which is available now on Amazon. Um, so it's worth, it's worth buying the book. The book would be available, I, I assume, at, at, the, at the social. And, but, but come down and meet one of, one of Brentford's true characters. He's a really good friend of Bradley Walsh. Um, you know the, the the actor, the comedian, who's, who also played in the B team for Brentford uh, uh, back in the day, and uh, yeah, Bob Bob's got some stories, so it will be a real lot. I we guarantee it'll be a laugh. So come down, ask a couple of questions, and um, yeah, as you say, have a beer. And as we say, I mean, Bob's going to come down and have some stories, and we're going to open up a, I think a new little section. We're just working on this, how to exactly sort of kind of put it up. What we're thinking, you know. What Bob's going to say, you know, it could be a little bit red. It could be sort of saying things that, you know, not saying we have to get our lawyers on the case, you know what I'm saying? But Bob Booker, unfiltered. It's going to be completely and utterly unfiltered. A little unfiltered section to the besotted socials and the besotted podcast as well. So Bob Booker, unfiltered. And we'll hear exactly what he's got to say. There's going to be no sort of censorship, no, no bars, you know. People can't tell us not, not to do. There's not going to be any bleeping out. Bob Booker unfiltered at the Besotted Social. Yeah, it'd be unfiltered actually there. I mean, we'll obviously record it and put it out. We might have to put a few bleeps in it afterwards, but on the on the day, so you know, as with all the all the all the things that we do, it's better to be there. Don't just sit there and come, you know, listen to it later on. Come down and actually see see him and chat with him and get his book signed. And you know, the the guys, the guy was at Sheffield United as well. He, you know, he had a, he had some really good years at Brighton. Um, he came back to Brentford for a second stint um, in, our, in our year when we flirted by being in the first division or the championship as it is now. Um, you know, it didn't, it didn't work out for him, but he was, he was you know, he, he was a coach and he, he, he really was an inspirational player. You know, he got the, he got the best out of himself and he got the best, the best out of the players that played with him. So we've been chatting a lot today and just getting a lot of things of our chest and we thought at the back end of the podcast we're just going to have a look around and see what bits and pieces are happening, news in and around the championship, news in and around the league, news in and around at Griffin Park and I think the first thing I'm going to talk about as well, because Laney's uh, been working it very hard, the big book of Griffin Park Laney. Yeah, big book of Griffin Park is going to be um, sold through the club shop exclusively um, just before Christmas it's probably the best most like proud book I've ever been involved with if I'm honest with you you know me and Mark Croxford have been researching this since March April um, the club have, have backed it completely as part of the club's um, Griffin Park legacy they're they, you know they really they're really keen on um, sort of remembering and um, 
you know, encapsulating Brentford in the best way we, we can, and that's through stories and photographs and memories. So Mark and I have been working, you know, pretty much flat out on it for the last sort of five or six months. We've just unearthed the most amazingly beautiful old photographs back back to Griffin Park in the in the first season we were there in 1904-5, and little bits of stories and photographs that have never been seen before, and some 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 of the some of the stories, especially in the Edwardian times, really it's like it's almost like a a, a trip back in time. You, like, it's almost like you get back in the, the the Brentford Tardis and you go back to a completely different age. And there's one. One postcard that we've, you know, we've been um, very kindly allowed to use by a Brentford collector. It's, uh, it's of the Bremer Road. What, what is the Bremer Road paddock now? Um, it, it was a stand that was brought from the previous ground, the cricket ground, you know, across the railway tracks. And there's probably a thousand Brentford fans in the Bremer Road, all dressed in their what would you 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 consider your Sunday best? They've got men in top hats you've got women in huge flowing victorian frocks you've got little urchins sitting on the side of the pitch you know the working class lads with their cloth caps and you've got little kids held up in the stand with bonnets on it's a you know it's, it's a, a million years away from from brentford now but you realize that you know brentford meant as much to them as as it does to us now and that's what makes me proud, really, as a Brentford fan, doing projects like this, is you realise that although everything's changed in, in life, nothing's changed to the people that used to go to the game. You know, it, Brentford was a be-all and end-all to those, that, that generation. It's the be-all and end-all to us now. And this is why we get so passionate on the podcast on a Wednesday night. What's really good um, by the club being involved in it is that you're able to get your name or the name of your you know your forefathers your foremothers you know whatever generation of Brentford fans your family has been involved in if you buy the book through the club website in advance you get um, one name free for for your for your purchase and you can add up to another two names for for, a, for an amount of money each um, so you can get three three family names in each in each of the books, and we'll we'll we're going to run that as a like a, um, a like a roll of um, a roll of honour. Um, so you know, there's I think it's it, as I said, it's it's going to be like almost 400 pages of like the most amazing photographs and stories. Is a story at least one story, probably three stories from every single year. And a photograph from every single year we've been at Griffin Park, and it's you know it's a it's a proper it's a proper bit of work that's been involved in this, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm delighted that I've been allowed and and I'm I've you know I've been alive to do this because you know Griffin Park has been at the core of of, of us, and we're going to be so sad to leave, um, and you know this is this again this is just all part of that legacy, so. Get get onto the get onto the club website and have a look and um, and tuck in. Excellent, and like I said, the big book of Brickland Park is going to be out towards the end of the year. Big, big Christmas, but you know the old Christmas stocking filler already, so you can already put it in there as well. And talking about Griffin Park, talking about Lionel Road. Lionel Road is obviously the stadium that we're going to be moving to in two or three years' time. And there's been, as we know, there's been a little bit of movement on Lionel Road. We've had the forum, we've had the discussion with the fans about what's happening with the stadium. There's been some changes with the stadium. It's not been anything happening for a long time, but all of a sudden now there is some activity in there, lady. Yeah, from from what we hear through the grapevine is that the. Um, 
the the tenants, the the people that, that are running businesses that are still on the on the site at, at Lionel Road have been served a month's a month's notice to to basically get out. Um, so I think building or demolition work will start as, as soon as that month's up. So you know, although you know through the forum and and we, we realise that most Brentford fans are probably. 90% or 80% 85% happy with how things have changed what these changes have allowed us is for momentum to start happening for for action to start and it, it would appear that um, Brentford are going to crack on now so you know we may have had a reduced capacity the, the ground might not exactly be as we were you know we were we were thought to believe you know from what we were told like a year or so ago but what we what was happening now is that the the ground's being cleared and the and the and the stadium's going to be built Indeed, the stadium's going to be built as well. And it's interesting, I mean, I just saw this, this is just pinged up on my, my phone and it's just come out as well, um, that Brentford have actually appointed today um, as a, a new person to the board. Monique Chowdhury joins the board of directors. And I found it quite interesting, actually, because they've actually employed a female to the board of directors um, at Brentford Football Club. And uh, there's one thing which I've come to notice is the, is the, the lack of diversity at the club. Um, in 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 the in those in those positions of power, as they say, you know, in in, in the boardrooms and also in kind of in positions of power. So that's a, a positions whether it's marketing, whether or not it's just basically the positions that are running the club. So this is quite interesting that they've actually uh, got a woman that's actually joined the board. And uh, uh, Monique, she's she's a consultant. Apparently, she's a uh, she's uh, director of Career Path Training Consultancy. She's actually consulted to us for a couple of years, assisting with the staff staff coaching training and cultural development um, which is interesting and uh, she said that she's thrilled to be joining the board and continuing my relationship with Brentford assisting them strategically in developing an exemplary club culture fostering strong leadership and building great talent so I thought that was interesting I think it's great that they're diversifying you know the board they brought somebody else on board which will give a different point of view it'll be interesting to know exactly and this is not a disrespect but it's exactly what she does I understand about club culture and strong leadership and stuff like that I'll be interested to know what she's brought to the party so far and what she's looking to bring to the party at Brentford um, club culture is very important is knowing what your club's all about and actually making it very strong what the club culture is about personally I still think the club's got a long way to go in that respect in actually kind of saying yes and no we're into this we're not into that this is what we're all about but I don't know maybe her being on the board will actually actually kind of reinforce that Laney yes it's got to be a really it's got to be a positive move you know I don't I don't know anything about her um, so I'm not I'm not speaking about her past record or what you know I don't know I don't know what a CV is but to, to be looking to looking to have someone that's like responsible for you know looking at diversity and um, yeah, um, for encouraging excellence and to, to, to help um, staff within the club to um, to achieve excellence in, in what they do can only be a positive thing there's I agree with you the, the football club seems to have a long way to go in, in certain areas but certainly in diversity so um, I mean, football clubs in general I mean you know yeah, no, you know the FA you know all football clubs they're, they're properly behind mate proper dinosaur era you know and I'll, I can go on a rant about that and everyone goes it's all politically correct forget that mate listen we're in London we're in England now and football clubs do not represent what the what, what the population is around you and what's happening out there young 
very talented people out there coming through and football does not represent that unfortunately it represents old school yeah I, I, I agree I think um, there's this sort of for many years in football there's been employed people in football that are football um, and um, and basically you get caught in a in a trap of, of nothing changes um, so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm all for it let's um, as, as a sport and as a business um, we can certainly you know move forwards and, um, and try different things rather than the same old stuff and the same old rubbish and and um, and you know and, and it'd be nice for Brentford to be known as a very forward thinking club I, I'd really like that and I'd like to think that that would bring a, you know some supporters to the club that maybe wouldn't have come to football previously well I'd like to formally invite her onto the podcast and and, and get, get, get to come on and talk about what a brief is because I really hope that she's got some clout um, because you know there, there there really is a few things that need to be achieved at Brentford. It's not very independent though, Dave. I know. No, it's, it's, the, it's the opposite of that. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the very very opposite. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, I haven't got a sense of humour. Um, so uh, so no no. Come on, come on the podcast and um, explain your role. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you know it, it's something that. As, as Matt said, we we need to be seen as a forward-thinking, uh, um, an, an all-inclusive um, football football club, and that 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 extends through all staff, and that extends through the fan base as well. And flipping the scenario as well, just interesting, a little bit of news that's out there, which everyone knows. Um, uh, Kick it out's been very busy the last week because. Uh, People might have seen the Lukaku song that's been uh, flying around at the moment now, which has caused a little bit of a stir. And uh, basically, um, they're saying that this song should not be sung because it has to do with uh, um, cultural stereotypes of the appendage of a, a particular player. Now, that's quite an interesting situation because it just goes to show you as time has moved on. As we know, we had a song for a player who actually is, is associated and he's an ambassador for, for Kick It Out, which is Marcus Gale. And everyone knows that Marcus Gale... Um, it's the song about the, as we know the, we won't talk about it anyway but everyone who knows the Marcus Gale song interestingly that came out in the 90s which in back in the day a lot of people don't know that it wasn't originally a Marcus Gale song it's when we went up to Falkirk and it was actually an Eddie May song and all the Falkirk fans sang it about Eddie May and then we came down and we flipped it to Marcus Gale Marcus Gale did get involved and he thought it was funny and he was young and that's all cool but as years have moved on and um you know whether or not this is acceptable or not personally like I said to you I mean I can't sing the Marcus Gale song anymore because you just realise listen at the end of the day come on you know we've kind of moved on from that kind of that that kind of era yes it may have been funny to a certain extent but also for Marcus you know as he said I can't bring my mum to the game you know you know it's just that there's the stereotyping things that's quite an interesting scenario but it's caused quite a lot of I'm stir within Kick It Out because Kick It Out are saying, listen, certain things can and can't happen. We've got lots of fans and people turn around and say, you can't say anything anymore now. It's not really fun. It's not really fun. I'm just interested, guys. And listen, let's forget about all this kind of, this is what should be right, should be wrong. I'm just wondering, what do you personally feel about this scenario, about the Lukaku um, song situation? And if you're bringing it back to the Marcus Gale song originally. I... To be honest, I've become. Uh, did I ever sing it? I don't even know if I did really. Um, but I certainly have become less comfortable with it um, as I've grown older, maybe. Um, and I think Marcus Gell is not very comfortable with it either. And ultimately, that's the main point as far as I'm concerned. 
I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I, you know, I, I, I have sung it, and, you know, and 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 um, but I wouldn't have I wouldn't have sung it if I if I believed that it was causing him offence because it it was it was never an offence. It was never about his colour. It was it was always it was always about you know he was a good friend of Besotted. You know, we we it was almost like we were singing it about a mate, and it was there was like. It was a, it was a, you know, it, we we felt we could sing it, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't I mean, we bought the song down from Scotland. Yeah, yeah, we imported <laughs> it from north of the border, you know. So we're 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 responsible f- for that, and um, so so yeah, I mean, you know, he, he was a he was one of your closest mates with Carl Hutchins on at, at Brentford. So we wouldn't have sung it, you know. Looking back, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the stuff that I did. Back in when I was in my early twenties, no, I wouldn't want to be doing now. I mean, although I'd love, I'd love to do some of it. But this is an, intro, <laughs> this is, I mean, this is just uh, like, it's a quick point of discussion here, and you know, like I said, we're going on. But this is what we do as a fanzine, right? So this is part of the evolution. Yeah. You know, we we we've, we kind of move with the times. You know, like we we've left the part. The past is in the past. You've got to live in look, you've got to live in the present and look forward to the future. We cannot be kind of entrenched in how things were. You know, we had fun back then and we have fun now and we have fun in the future. But you know, you got you got you've got to kind of sometimes you've got to just move on. Just because it was all right then doesn't mean it's all right now. You know, I will I will, I I feel awkward singing it to it because I you know I know him well now. But we don't. I mean, we don't. I mean, it's not. It's gone. It, we sure, don't I'm sing sure it anymore. Marcus has done quite well out of that song. Yeah, you know, but you know, it's, it's and he's moved on. And listen, you know, again, back in the nineties, and there's a lot of things that, to be quite honest, and me as a black person as well, you accepted certain things. Some things you didn't accept, and you got in trouble for it because people weren't happy because they thought you're a bit aggy. But there's certain things that you kind of did accept, and you kind of did, and you move on. But now you realise you move on. It's 21st, 20th century, and we're into sort of kind of 2010, 2011, 2012. You're moving on from that. Things have moved on massively, and the fact there are things that you got away with and you did back in the day then and there's things that you kind of just don't do anymore because you actually realise the broader implications of what they are you talk about how people feel you talk about people talk about diversity and diversification and people at the end of the day is that that was I wouldn't say it's less important then, but people were less focused, I suppose maybe it's because of the social media and media, about how people's feelings and how people thought then that you kind of did what you want to. But now, there are much, much more implications. And the good thing about it is that if you see the younger people, they, they do think a lot, of, a lot more about people's thinking. The way that my daughter, right, who's only eight, nine, ten years old but at school, the way that they actually teach them to, to think is completely different um, to the way that we were when we were back at school and growing up. Yeah, I mean, I. Do you know it's funny actually because the reason why I was never overly comfortable with it was actually, I used to think I was the only person that thought Marcus Curl was a decent footballer. Um, I used to, and it was because, probably because of where I sat on New Road, or um, no, I suppose I stood in those days. But I was surrounded by people that thought he was shit, um, and and therefore, and therefore. I, I maybe was on a different place. My place was, why aren't we singing a song about him being a great footballer? That, that, that was generally where I was with him because I, I always thought he'd go on and be one of the best, you know, one of the... And he, and he did. He proved to be a... You know, he probably went on better than most players that played for Brentford um, and had a career at football. And, 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 that, and that was kind of where I was on it, which so was maybe a little bit different. Yeah, no, he did, he did go on. Um, and, and, you know, if you look at it, if he was... Uh, you know, we were singing that song today and he was on social media. I'm sure he probably might say at some stage, he'd tweet out, cheers lads, but can you not sing that anymore? And people probably go, okay, not, not really, he doesn't find it funny, we won't, won't sing it. So, 
you know, we did sing some other songs about Karen Brady and, and things like yeah. that that aren't acceptable anymore. You know, so you know, just just again, just kind of. Um, I'm not saying like you don't want to beat yourself up over things that have happened in the past. We're not. We're not. You know, we. In it's high, learn. It's, it's learn and move learn. on. It's education, yeah. and it's learn and it's move on. And that's why sometimes with people, I can sit down and as a black person, I'll talk to somebody else. Right. I'm going to go on about this, but you know, sitting in Poland and talking to a guy who told me that he he hated me and my wife, you know, and I'm a black bastard. But I sat down and talked to him for an hour. That's the kind of thing that I do. And you sit down there and you talk about it. I didn't convince him after an hour, but he tried to convince me why he hated all black people. At the end of the day, it's an education thing that can go on out there. And people, as long as they sit down and they understand, and they learn, educate, and they move on, that's fine. And people go out there and then do that. Listen, at the end of the day, you've got to tip your hat. You understand that people may make mistakes. They may do the wrong thing at a long time, whatever like that. But if they're willing to turn around, say, tell you something, I've got that wrong and I'll move on. That's what it's all about. So this situation here, I just think, is really interesting. Interesting to see how it will pan out. Um, with most of the characters there, I'm sure that it was a bit of humour, it was a little bit of a laugh, it was a little bit of a charm as well like that. But it's interesting that people are throwing it out there, sort of saying, OK, we understand that, but... You know, it's kind of a little bit offensive to be quite honest with you because you are kind of just basically reinforcing stereotypes that, to be honest with you, are probably not even 100% true. You know that for a fact? <laughs> well, actually, we won't move. We'll move on for that. Anyway, listen, Saturday we're playing Bolton and we need to beat Bolton. We're not going to go on about it because we've talked so much today about loads of things and we just got it all off our chest and we're feeling so much better at the end of the day. We're in the Distillers here. Fantastic pub, very cool pub, cool music, cool staff, cool food. Everything about it has been really cool. Enjoy the Distillers in Hammersmith, just down from Fulham Palace Road, far enough away from Fulham that you don't get too much shudders, as we say. Come down there and have a quick pint. But we're playing Bolton on Saturday. I'm just going to ask you, go around the table, to find out what you think this score is going to be on Saturday, the Allard. Um, I think it will be one nil to Brentford. Um, I can't really base it on anything apart from the law of averages, and I say this a lot. That phrase on the podcast, we're going to win at some point. One all. This is unfair, Laney, because I wanted to go for one all, but you said I can't go for the same score as you. You can go for two all. I can go no, for two no, no. all. I'm going to go for two. I'm going to go for two all actually, because uh, for once my, I'm, I'm starting to wane on my sort of over enthusiasm tip. So I think it's going to be a draw, and uh, well, you know, we didn't get our win again. I'm, just, I'm, I'm saying one all. I just, I just, um, as much as I want it, you know, every, every sinew of me wants this, wants this stinky run to finish, but I just can't. I just don't think this is the week. It's not the week for Laney. It may be the week for me. The Allard's potty for it, you know what I'm saying? So, potty for a 1-0. Potty for a 1-0. Yeah, potty for a 1-0 potty, exactly. Listen, besides like Pride of West London podcast, sorry we've gone on and on, on today. We thought it was going to be a short one because we didn't think we had anything to talk about. But, but my word, did we rabbit on today about all sorts of stuff we got off our chest. Hopefully it reflects what the fans have been saying, what the fans have been talking about, what everyone is talking about. But listen, Bolton Saturday, three points absolutely necessary we support Brentford through thick and thin, so at the end of the day, we're in the distillers just down the road from Fulham, but we're proud to actually say, Come on, you days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.